0: Hey guys, we got a brand new episode for you today. I'm super excited about it. But before I get into what it's about, um, if I could just ask you, if you're liking the podcast, if you could like, uh, subscribe to it, maybe leave us a five star review if you feel so inclined. It helps the podcast grow, which then helps us get it out to other people. So far, we've had amazing, we've had amazing reviews, we've had amazing feedback, and it's been able to help so many people. We've had so many people reach out saying they were binging on all the episodes once they found it, and so we're just trying to find more people. Um, That brings us to today's episode. We have our first repeat guest, Dr. Jeremy Dinkin, very, very popular episode who I interviewed, and the reason I had uh, Jeremy back on is because in his own right, he's built quite the following between his social media presence, and he has a very good reputation at his school out in LA, and he often gets brought back to speak about his success in business. Um, And he's been able to give people some great advice and something that he and I speak about often is basically current students soon to be graduating students, or people new into private practice, they'll reach out to him for advice and he gets the same three or four questions over and over and over again. So rather than having to repeat himself, I thought, hey, let's just bring you back on the podcast. You can answer these questions and we can have a discussion around it and then next time someone asks you, you can just lead them right to the episode where you've already answered the question. So you're welcome, Jeremy, for saving you some time. Obviously, he still wants to make connections. We're not making out to seem he doesn't want to talk to you, but you know, the, the questions being asked are the same. So there are many people out there that have the same issues. And so we figured we would just answer them. Among those questions, uh, what should I do out of school? Should I get an associateship? Should I open my own practice? What do I look for in a practice? Uh, Marketing. So many people find Jeremy through his social media presence. And one of the questions that he often gets is, is that it? You know, if I just build my Instagram following, will that be enough to grow my practice? He makes an outstanding point on what he uses social media for. But then I also get into specifically, if he had to grow his practice quick, what would he do? And the answer might surprise you. And then from there, we talk about uh, a lot of other topics dealing specifically with people that are in school, you know, getting out of school soon and and what to do and how to pursue it, specifically in the rehab chiropractic ditch. So, again, if you like what we're doing here, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. It's the only way that we get it out to people and we can help more people just like you. Enjoy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Business School for the Rehab Chiropractor. Class is officially in session. My name is Justin Rabinowitz, and I am a rehab chiropractor on a mission to teach you, a fellow rehab chiropractor, the exact tools and systems I've used to build my own successful rehab chiropractic practice so you can do the same. I hope you enjoy, and please subscribe. All right, we have our first repeat guest on the podcast, Dr. Jeremy Dinkin. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. And um just as a shout out to the public here, you know, social media is something where people can post a lot of stuff and actually, you know, who knows how successful they're being. But as, you know, being part of our mastermind program, you know, since you've joined, you've done amazing worth work both with patients, but objectively in improvements in the business, financially, you know, systems and processes and and buying in. So Um, you know, I'm honored that you're in it, but I'm also super stoked for you that you've put the work in and you've seen the progress.
1: hundred percent. It's been fun to implement things that we've learned and I've already, you know, seen that come to fruition and it's,
0: and it's cool to see the
1: progress and I hope to keep it going.
0: It will It will keep going. We just got to keep doing the same things repeatedly and stack on top of one another. But let's get into why we're actually here. So for those that don't know, Jeremy, you've done a really good job of building your, your following, whether it's through social media, or I know we were just talking about uh, your chiropractic school. What is the name of it? I, LA, it used to be LACC. What's it actually called these days?
1: University of Southern California Health Sciences.
0: So that's what you are an alumnus of, and they just changed my school too. I still call it m y c c but it's called something else as well, so they're trying to confuse all of us um, but they ask you to come back and speak and and so you have a very good reputation, and with that you've been able to build sort of a following with soon-to-be graduates, students in school, new graduates, people that are employees. And as you said to me, just time and time again, you have people asking to shadow. You have people DMing you on Instagram, you have people sending emails asking for advice. And so I thought it would be for everyone's sake, including yours, where now you can just send them a link to the podcast of essentially the most frequently asked questions that you, that you often get. You know, Before we started, I made a list of the three or four that you get. And so rather than having to repeat the advice over and over, we can just lead them to this link and, uh, and everybody wins. So you can Perfect. thank me later for saving you time. Thank you very much. <laughs> so the first question that you get often is, you know, very blanket, but a normal question is, what should I do out of school? What is the advice that you give them?
1: Well, I think it's, uh, it's very important that you start looking for a mentor or somebody that you plan to work with or learn from, um, at least in the last couple semesters of school. So that's what I did. I, I went around and I shadowed a bunch of places just, you know, for the day. And I picked and choose, um, you know, people that I thought would be great to learn from. And I ended up doing my externship um, and clinical hours at those offices and learning. And I think like just trying to build together like a a model in your head of what you want to do and then seeing when you come out of school, if a clinic like that exists and your values align, you can kind of just work with them and, and start getting your feet wet right away. Or if you want to, you know, you, like if what happens to me happens to you is I went around and, and went on all these interviews and I didn't find a clinic that aligned with my values in the way I wanted to practice, then you start to think about building your own practice and start getting, you know, start getting everything going. But I think if in an ideal world, you find that person, that mentor early on, work with them coming out of school just so you get to learn the business side of things. And because, you know, you have all those years of clinical studies. And by by ninth, tenth term or whatever it is for each school is different. By the end, you should be super confident in your clinical skills. And like we've talked about a bunch of times, we're not, we're very unbalanced on the clinical and business side of things, especially if you're going to open up your own practice. So I think getting your feet wet with a clinic and a mentor that knows what he's doing, he or she business-wise and learning from them and kind of seeing how structures and organizational things work I think that's a huge benefit um, so you're at least aware of the things that go on in, in the business sense.
0: So what do you see as far as students graduating? Because that's a great answer. You and I both know those are hard to find. Something that would match your values clinically and also learn from business-wise. And so based on you know, your experience of speaking to people in this situation, what, what are you seeing? Is that actually realistic or, or not so much? Uh,
1: Unfortunately, it's not too realistic. So that's the thing. Um, I get a lot of people that shadow me and say the same thing at the end. Like, oh man, I wish you were hiring. Um, Because they've been on the same journey that I was on. They went up to four or five different offices. Interview process didn't go as planned. And they're still stuck looking for another job or stressed and frustrated that they can't start their own because of all the debt and maybe prior debt from undergrad even. And it's just not the the right time to start their own practice. So that's why I think getting a head start in school and starting to shadow and and reach out to other docs to try to get your feet wet earlier on would be super beneficial.
0: Gotcha. And so... Um, I guess the question becomes so someone's in that position where they can get a job that, you know, it's not an, let's just say, when we say values, it's not an unethical clinic, but they may just practice differently than we want to in the Rehab Cairo world. And it's a nice practice. Are there times when it might be a good idea for a period of time to go and, you know, get your feet wet there knowing that it's not the forever solution or you think at that point, and again, I know every case is different, but at that point, it's just like, Hey, just start your own.
1: No, I think there's definitely value in that. Um, cause you do, you know, you don't get that much experience in the student clinic. So getting your experience like with just, you know, gen pop people or a different crew of people that you would typically, um, market to is also very beneficial. And like, getting your feet wet with adjusting and going through your exam process. Like you can still do all that type of stuff and build good habits like that. Um, So I think like joining a clinic like that is actually, there's definitely pros because you, like I said, you get your practice, you get to practice, you get to use your hands. There's definitely, if you are going to be hands-on, it's definitely like a hand strength thing is a real thing. So getting your, your hands better and getting more confident in adjustments and manual therapy and all that stuff. And even rehab, like coaching people through stuff. You can still do that stuff in those clinics, hopefully. And um, you can still get really good experience and you can also see what you don't want to do for your own practice. So I think it's good to, it's definitely good to get that experience overall and see, again, what you like to do, get a flow for things and then what you don't like to do as well.
0: Is there something when a 10th try student comes or ninth try, whatever the last try is, they get towards the end is there one consistent theme that you see as far as like, I guess the question would be like, they don't know this and they really should, or they're not aware of this one thing. And if I could just get that across to them, is there something that you see consistently as a theme? I I just see the
1: anxiety as they come towards graduation because they haven't shadowed or found a mentor. So going back to that um, advice, I would really, really strongly recommend finding somebody. And like you said, the other day on Instagram, who you take advice from and who you get mentored from is the same thing. So that's like a, a very, very important part, I think, of everybody's clinical and business journey is finding somebody with great advice, been through it, they know what they're doing, they've put the work in, they, like yourself, like you've done this for 10 plus years, you know what you're doing, I can take advice from you and literally implement it and take it and run with it.
0: Okay. But let me, let me push back on that. I'm going to interrupt you. Um, I appreciate you saying that I know what I'm doing um, and, 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 you know, I hope I, I hope I do, but um, how does someone vet that? Right. Because we've talked about without naming names of other people that we see on Instagram or that are, are, you know, successful practices that, you know, as you kind of get under the hood, so to speak, not as much, knowing what you know now, so you know that could be a, a highly trained clinician that maybe doesn't run an amazing business or someone that runs a really good business and has a shiny office, but you know clinically isn't very good. and so get like get a little more granular for me, like tactical for a, a fourth try student, a fourth semester student looking at it. What are the things that they should look for?
1: That's a great question because um, I literally those two examples were two major people that I've shadowed in the past. And um they were drastically different. There was um like you said the guy with the Ferrari who pulls up and um you know the two minute appointments, high volume type of clinic. And then you got the other guy who's an amazing clinician, takes his time, but the business is very slow. So it's tough to kind of sort through those type of people, but like what I did was kind of pick and choose the good things and the bad things from each. And for my own model, I would just eliminate the ones I didn't agree with or I didn't like. And then I would implement the good things. And I think that like for, if you're starting your own practice, that's a good way to get in through like who would you sift through and stuff. And again, again, it comes back down to like personal values. Like what do you, what do you want to do with your practice? How do you want to grow your business? Um, it'll, it'll be up to the individual, but it's not an easy answer to, uh, that's not an easy question to answer.
0: I mean, as I look back at you know my observation of your journey. So, for the audience, you know, you were an intern of of ours when you were still graduating school. Whatever, what's your last try? Tenth try? Do you have a mm-hmm. So, when you were in tenth try, and looking back, um, you know, you were somebody who obviously was very much clinically oriented and was very uh, concerned about that. But even though you technically didn't know about business, you were interested in it. And I think that's a big distinction to make because a lot of us kind of, we say, oh, they didn't teach us business in school. And yeah, sure, that's part of it. But the 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 next sentence is, and I'm really not that interested in it anyway, but you were interested in it. And yeah. not only did you say you were interested in it, when I presented you with you know, business ideas and things to look at and read. And and since early on in your clinic, you were always seeking out um, not only clinical advice, but also business advice as well. And so I think from a self-awareness standpoint, potentially someone that's in school right now, um, to think like, do I just abhor business? Like, do I have no interest in it? Or is it potentially right now that I don't really know a lot and so it's uncomfortable for me that I would like to learn it, but I, I need to maybe know the right resources because there are some people, and I've said it a thousand times, I think the problem in, in our profession in general is that there aren't many opportunities for people to just be very high-level clinicians. Right. And um, you know, if you think about any other sort of medical profession, there's so many, at most, I'd say the majority of like physicians and medical doctors and orthos, they're not business people. Um, they just sort of work for the machine, so to speak. And we don't really have that ability, but you had something and and that you wanted to learn both. And at the end of the day, like we're obviously all smart enough to be able to do it. The question is, do we actually want to do it? There's a big difference. hundred percent. And I think like you mentioned, you have
1: to be curious. And just like I was with the human body, I was curious in the business realm because I had no clue what I was doing. I wanted to learn about it because I knew from previous years that I wanted my own practice cause I did all the shadowing and I did all that. And I knew that I at some point wanted to open my own practice. And so I was curious. Um, that's kind of how we connected actually. And, um, I'm glad I shadowed you because I, it opened up, you know, a whole new world of information. And, um, I had not been like exposed to that at all. So I'm very grateful for that.
0: Good. Awesome. No, I, I I genuinely appreciate you saying that. Um, next question: uh, the one most people connect with you because of your social following, and and I've said this from the beginning. Out of anyone in our mastermind program, you know, you do about as well as anyone with your consistency, with your content. Um, you're willing to take risks, like you got the TikTok thing going. It's funny, but it's also not funny. It's a it has it is a trait, and so I observe it that way as like. You're willing to just do things on there, look silly, not know what you're doing, not really worry if it's going to work or not, but you just kind of take some risks and not willing to like piss not worry about pissing people off, which I think is an amazing thing there um and 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 bring it back a lot of people find you like the people listening to this in Cairo students, and a lot of connections you've made have been because of your social presence and i one of the questions that you said you get a lot is all right, I'm opening up my own practice is it is is that what I need to do is just build my social following and can it like build my business or are there other marketing things or, or sales or communication? So what, what advice would you have for someone?
1: That's another great question.
0: Thank Uh, you. That's why I'm here. That's why they pay me the big bucks. I'm (laughs) I'm actually going to ask the podcast boss for a raise.
1: So I think, so before I started my practice, I was a seminar junkie and I still kind of am. I've slowed down a lot, but I was going to a ton of seminars and taking online courses and the new hottest course and doing those and networking with other people in the field, like not just Kairos, PT's trainers, the whole entire thing was tremendous because you meet people you become friends with them. They follow you on Instagram and they repost one of your posts. You repost one of theirs and you kind of just like become friends, even though you're across the country or across the world. So, Going to those seminars in the beginning as a student is definitely the first step you can take because not only do you learn clinical information, but you get to network with a lot of awesome, cool people that you wouldn't have met otherwise. So that's a good one. And then, you know, that slowly builds your, your network on, on social. And then posting content was the death of me in the beginning.
0: Can I can I pause you on that, though? Let's go back. I don't want to get off of that. Yes, sir. So, um. And, and this is very, very important. This is actually massive that you brought this up. And I'm curious your answer because the thing that you just described is essentially building your network from a, we'll call it like a business-to-business, B2B. In other words, you're connecting with Dr. Smith out in Fargo, North Dakota because he'll build your network and build your following, and that's great. However, like, did that help you build a, practice in Marlboro, New Jersey? Like I'm not sure. I mean, tell me about that. That part,
1: no, but it helps build your social media following, which now you get a patient who comes in and they see they're maybe they're on the fence about coming in or um they saw you on social media. And if you have like you know a small amount of followers or you know, I don't know, something like that, then now you have more trust They kind of like, they feel more confident in coming in and they like, oh, this this guy has a decent amount of followers. Like he must know what he's
0: doing. So you're talking essentially, that's like kind of a branding thing a little bit in that even, even if on a granular lever level, your followers aren't just around the Marlboro, New Jersey area. No. The fact that you have 3,000 followers, someone who is a prospective patient in Marlboro potentially would look that up and be like, all right, this guy's sort of legit. He's got something going on here. He's not practicing out of his mom's basement. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel safe when I go to see him, essentially.
1: Yeah, it's like the Google review thing. You're not going to go to the place that has one star and one review. Got You're it. Try to find the one with the most reviews, the most yes. five stars, and, you know, that type of thing.
0: Now let me let me ask you this. Um, I know it's going to be a, an unbelievably rough estimate, but take a look back at the last six months of of your practice. How much of your business revenue wise percentage is strictly because of your social following versus other marketing things that you've done?
1: I would say it would be number two under just like personal referrals. But so
0: referrals word of mouth in person is so it's a piece of it, but it actually isn't even number one. Yep.
1: Um, okay. I would say it would be number two right under that because that's obviously the best.
0: Yeah. Um, well, but not obviously. Cause again, the question you've got is like, how did you build your practice? And yeah. it's like, I, all my patients come from social media and what you're saying is, yeah, some do, but, but actually not all of them.
1: Not all. Yeah. No, I would say probably like 30%. Okay. Our number. Um, And it's, it's cool because not only is that local, but I can also do virtual appointments um, with people. And that was, you know, that started during COVID. And that's what triggered actually the whole social media thing. I was actually not that like consistent or I didn't put all my eggs in that basket yet. And I never really wanted to. I was just posting the regular picture with a caption that nobody probably read. um, And it was just a long and frustrating like process. Now I'm like much more efficient because I'm more consistent. So I'm kind of getting used to everything. Um, you know, now everybody's attention span is, is very low. So you try to make it as quick as you can with a good message. And the goal is to just keep posting consistently, um, information that people relate to, not just clinic, like clinical stuff because I realized that was a huge mistake I made was I was posting in depth information that was marketing to like other clinicians. and um, it's a huge problem. Huge problem. And I, and I, you know, it took me a while to step back and be like, well, I want to sound smart, right? You want to gain that confidence from people, but you also want to make it digestible for them. And right. so for literally two years, I was making that mistake. Finally, I was just like, I was just trying it out. I was like, let me just try to post like a simple 30 second video, not even. And that video got crazy amount of shares, crazy amount of views. And I was like, okay, I'm going to start doing these.
0: <laughs> if, you needed to, if you needed to get five brand new patients in the next week or else they were going to take your house, <laughs> what, would, what would you do? You could pick one thing to do. What would you do?
1: Wow. I would, you know, I have a very loyal uh, crew of patients. And mm-hmm. I think that if I sent out like a mass email to my list get a free session. If you refer a client that converts to some type of clinic care, I think that would be the way.
0: Okay, good. No, I, I was leading you to something like that, hopefully, but, but again, I think this is really important, especially, especially, you know, I think we've talked. We talked about it before we got on how right now I'm out ten years. I don't feel old, but I'm kind of the old guy. Like people look at me, it's like, all right, he's like he's been doing it a while now, ten years. You are still, for at least a little longer, still the new guy, right? And and understanding that, and understanding the people that are in school right now, the generation is that it's very much a digital generation. And I think one of the things that you know I I want to get across to people is is the question of it's very comfortable for someone coming out of school, I think, to be on social all the time and build that. And and I think it is important, you know, and I think it is a good strategy. Obviously, you're saying, you just said it's a two-year game I'm playing, and it's not even the primary way to get patients. But the question I asked was more like, because if, if Joe Smith opens up a practice tomorrow in, you know, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and he asks Jeremy, listen, I got to get this thing off the ground. I need to get patients in the door. The first thing that you just said is, like, you're not going to get patients in the door today by starting your social media. That's a, a piece, but it's a long game. But if you want to get people in the door, right, we've got to do something local. We've got to get something to be in person with people. We've got to, if we don't have a patient list, we got to go create a patient list. We've got to go market and do events and do all the networking things. And from what I've seen so far as you know coaching now dealing with you know people like you in in your generation or even younger than you is that they don't love they don't like that you don't like that stuff either you do it but you don't love it it's much more comfortable to be on social and to post a lot but but i hope the audience that's listening to this understands um that it, there's no two ways around it if we need to get this thing going quick the best thing we can do is still the referrals the networking the reach outs the in-person seminars, those type of th- things, which are still like tried and true for the last hundred years of how to market your business, right? 100%. Yeah, uh,
1: I didn't want to go gym to gym in the beginning and introduce myself to a bunch of random people that they looked at me like I had five heads or they gave me the answer like, oh, sorry, we got a guy or we got a lady. Uh, yeah. You know, so I hated denial and I, that was what I was afraid of in the beginning. And I didn't want to just go gym to gym just blindly and, and be, you know, interacting in that way. But 95% of the time, everybody was very nice. Um, and you know, you make those relationships and eventually you start treating those people. And then it's like a, it's like a domino effect, start treating them. You hopefully do well. They send you their spouse, friend, uh, gym member, right? Like if you're treating the gym owner, um, and then that just keeps dominoing. And, um, that's what's helped me the most in terms of like networking locally is being present, meeting people in person. You're like You're not going to just send an email. The email thing doesn't work. It literally doesn't work. Try that. Um, well,
0: but, but like, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's not that it doesn't work. It doesn't work if you do it once. Right. Different.
1: Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't like to email people five times either. So I'd rather meet you in person, shake your hand, physically be there establish that rapport, kind of show them what I'm all about, um, have a cool conversation, something that we can relate to. And then hopefully they remember me when they're thinking of somebody to send to rehab or you know, help with an injury. But I,
0: don't, but I don't think it has to be an either or conversation, right? There's a, there's a marketing, there's a, a wheel, a circle of marketing that happens, right? It all sort of works together. Right, you go to meet them in person, and then you follow up with an email, and then you keep in touch by getting them on an email list, and then they see you on social, and then you show up for an event, and it's like you know the the, the it's a it's a it's not again we we are very binary we try to be very binary it's either, we're either going to email or we're going to show up and it's like no 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 it's probably both right but again just to sort of bring it back because the question we started with was is that how I do it build it on social. And it's like, you know, you know, you know, my favorite famous line. It's like, that's a way, but it's not the way it's one of the ways. And so to people to understand that, because again, I think they would see you in your practice and it would be very convenient for them to think that you've had the success you've had just because you post on social.
1: Not even close. I would. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, I, I just do it now to just kind of keep my, Name in somebody's head, right? Like you just want to be there every day and kind of like show some valuable information, hopefully, help some people that you don't know. And then that turns into a lead. Like that's happened to me a bunch of times. Um, So that's just, you know, keeping your name out there, especially still as a small business. Like I'm still very small. So just uh, maintaining that consistency, but I wouldn't prioritize that because, like I said, um, in the beginning, try to be consistent and post valuable stuff, but I wouldn't make that like the centerpiece. That's just, that's my opinion. I would definitely do the in-person stuff, uh, meet gyms around your area or whatever niche you're in um, and try to establish relationships in the area because that's going to be the bread and butter in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Social is, you know, it's amazing. You can obviously produce a lot of clients from there too, but I wouldn't stress out as much, which I used to do. I would, I would very much so stress out that I wasn't being active enough. I wasn't um, building my social media Um, But really, if you go a couple days without posting, is it going to make or break your practice? I don't think so. Mm
0: -hmm. Good. Yeah, I think it's an interesting point, what you brought up just to sort of recap about, you know, potentially someone in fourth or fifth try that what can they do to take action now when they're in Palmer, wherever that school is and is in Iowa? Is that right? And then they're coming and they're going to move. They know they're going to move to North Carolina. It's like, well, I can't really establish relationships. Well, you probably can, but what can you do? To your point, if they're, they can potentially start to build that social following, not because anyone in North Carolina is going to care about them now, but if they build a little bit of following that it could give them more credibility so when they do move, they have a couple thousand followers and it sort of starts that process and creates that trust a little bit better um, than if they just started from scratch. But again, going back of if I have to build the practice tomorrow, I agree with you. I'm going to look at bypass past patients. And if I'm just starting and I haven't done that yet, then I've got to go create relationships. That's going to be the fastest way to get this thing from zero to one um, uh, the, the, the quickest. So I think, you know, really, really good point. All right. So before we wrap up, I know you've got a a busy day of child's birthday parties and patients and and all these different things that you've got to spend your day on finding the smash cake. And I hope that kid remembers this birthday, man. Uh, uh, Me too. Uh, (laughs) Um, Any final things, any other burning questions that you get over and over that you just want to share with the audience one time uh, rather than having to you know, do it a hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, so, don't focus so much
1: on like landmarks. People like really just like have these landmarks that like make or break mentally inside their head. Like their practice. I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily
0: like plant those in your head. Give me an example. What What is a landmark that example, that someone like, would get off track with?
1: Let me. Like, how do I get to five k for the month? How do I get to ten k for the month? How do I get to hundred k for the year? I wouldn't really necessarily like focus too much on those. I would do the um I would just stick to the fundamentals and you know keep hammering those and just let it happen. Track your things, track your metrics, right? And then as you progress, you'll see where you're kind of lacking and then you just keep the wheels turning as where you're lacking, you focus on that, right? Cuz it'll always change at
0: different levels. Mm. So just to, and and you can correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing you say is um potentially don't focus so much on the outcome, obsess over the process to get there. 100%. Cool. Excellent. All right, Jeremy, this was very, very good and fantastic. And I hope I've saved you some time that we can now just send people a link to answer the questions that you've had. The one question we didn't um, answer was what does a treatment session look like? As you said, it could be very individual. Um, But just to give people a two-second clip on, on what it is. I think having a process in place of, uh, it doesn't matter how long you're spending, but having a framework on what you treat a patient and then, you know, based on your population, making sure that it sort of works with them. Um, but we can do another, Hey, there's always another episode, so we can do that later. J- uh, Jeremy, I appreciate that. And where can people find you?
1: Uh, on Instagram, it's RSM underscore athlete underscore doc. And on the website, it's www.rsmsportsmed.com. My emails on there, dr Jeremy at rsmsportsman.com. Wow, you didn't plug your TikTok? <laughs> the TikTok's still growing. <laughs> right, I think man. it's the same. I think it's the same handle. All
0: right. You don't even know. All right. I appreciate this. And um, we will I'm sure we'll have you back for round three. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you for free. One grab a copy of my free guide, The Rehab Chiropractor's Checklist. You can get that at go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. That's go.drjustinrabinowitz.com slash guide. Two, go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at Justin Rabinowitz, where I post business content. Three, subscribe to my weekly newsletter by sending me an email at coaching at strivetomove.com. And four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more influential people and bring those lessons back to you.